It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I hope you had a very loving Valentine's Day, whether you spent it alone or with a family or with a significant other. Um, Love is love, so however you celebrated it is wonderful. Uh, To the outside world, today's special guest, Dr. Mark Halpern, was a confident and capable chiropractor with a growing practice. He hid that he was living a double life. Dr. Mark excelled at sports, and whenever he could, he succeeded at physically demanding, extreme, and often dangerous outdoor adventures. Yet, this was a man suffering from crippling anxiety when not caring for a patient or skiing off a cliff. It was through the pioneering research done by the HeartMath Institute that Mark discovered the concept of coherence. When the heart and brain are operating coherently, people experience emotional emotional health, more inner peace, increased physical well-being, and most importantly, an ability to respond to external situations and fearful or worrisome thoughts and other stimulus from a place of equanimity and emotional strength. He is now sharing his methods for achieving coherence in the groundbreaking new book and online course, Coherence Revolution, Finding Flow on Your Journey to the Present Moment. And he will be talking about this course um, at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned and there'll be a special offer for you. Dr. Mark is a chiropractor, author, lecturer, and certified heart math practitioner. He's also certified in additional healing modalities, Psych K and Honoponopono. In both his personal and professional life, Dr. Mark has been drawn to methods that promote, promote optimal health and healing of the brain, body, and spirit. What could be better? Good morning, Dr. Mark, and welcome to A Fine Time for Healing. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Yes. Um, I see that you, um, you practice Honoponopono. I love that. Um, I actually recommend that to my clients who are having inner child issues, and um, <clears throat> it's wonderful. Absolutely a wonderful process. So yeah, I, I love the whole concept behind it. It really is, and it works. And, you know, that inner child, the idea of the inner child was like psychobabble for such a long time, but it is so important because a lot of what we experience today goes way back to that childhood. And when we can love that child and make it feel safe and comfortable, then we can really alleviate a lot of what's going on in our life. So tell us, let's start off by just talking about um, who you were, what, what was going on with you and what you were dealing with. Sure. Uh, You know, I, I essentially, I just turned 50 last year, so big milestone. And, you know, I've really been going through my journey since I was a teenager, 
you know, I grew up, I think I had a very happy childhood. I was a well-adjusted child. You know, no one would have ever thought I was developing bad emotional habits or, or thinking habits or anxiety. But I would say sometime around uh, grade six or seven, when I was 12, 13 years old, I, I guess regular uh, teenage hormonal, you know, puberty type of things started to happen. And I started developing what I would call just bad thinking habits. And as my mind would start to race on different insecurities, I started to feel anxiety. And as I started to feel it, it sort of became this ingrained pattern. And, you know, I noticed at a very young age that, you know, I would think these thoughts and then I'd have anxiety, which was really the result of the release of all these hormones of stress. And as I released these hormones of stress, it created more anxiety and then more thoughts and more anxiety. And it just really became this pattern. And so by around the age of 18, I started looking for solutions. And, you know, my, my personality is I'm sort of half spiritual and half scientific. I need both. And so I determined that I was going to approach anxiety from every possible way. Uh, you know, so starting really from my late teens, early 20s, I did everything from, you know, medication and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and psychotherapy to seeing naturopaths and homeopaths and energy workers and working with quantum fields and, you know, all, all of the alternatives as well as all of sort of the Western-based approach. And it, it was sort of this pattern that I would go through of I'd find something new to try and I'd feel really excited about it and hopeful and then I would try it, and after a couple of weeks or a couple of months, I'd realize, oh, I wasn't getting the results I'd like, or it wasn't the solution, it wasn't getting rid of it, and so I'd feel disappointed, and then I'd go on to the next thing. And this really went on for years, where I'd get some results from some of the attempts that I did, and a little bit here and a little bit there, but nothing that was really solving my problem. So it was this constant cycle of searching and searching, this never-ending search for, for answers. But over the years, I did, you know, gather some things that worked in certain ways and, 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 and helped me alleviate my symptoms. And it was really about 2005 where I discovered heart math, and I started to dive into it a little bit. But even with heart math and learning the breathwork techniques, you really have to understand the concepts and practice them. And at the time, I don't think I did. And um, a few more years went by until around 2010, 2011, where I would say I had my first breakthrough. It was in my 40s, and I started to really realize you could control your emotional response by the way you breathe and the way you visualize and the way you use your emotional response. And so I, I started to use, use it with my patients and with myself, and it really took something like the pandemic to put it all together because in March of 2020, our government locked us down and said, you know, go home. You can't practice. And so my, my practice was closed for about three months. And I knew based upon my past that if I sat there with all the uncertainty that it probably wouldn't end well for me and I wouldn't have a very easy time. So I thought, how, how can I turn this into a positive? And I just started writing. And I started every day I'd do like a job. I'd have a session in the morning where I would write and I'd have a session in the afternoon where I would write. And I went through every book, every course, every therapist, every philosophy that I had studied over the last 30 years. And I figured out what was working, what wasn't. And I came up with my whole system, which is the coherence revolution. And that's really how the book was written. And because I had become a certified heart math practitioner, I thought, well, I could teach this online. And I, I decided to add it, add to it and created the whole online course where we go through all of our senses and how to use the world around us to uh, increase coherence in our, in our lives. So 
uh, you know, my journey has sort of come full circle. Well, now I'm at a point where I can start to help people and help them hopefully save the time, money, and frustration that I did over a 30-year period. What a great journey. You know, I, I think that healers, um, we all have had long paths of trying to find answers. I know for me it was 25 years or more searching for answers of why I didn't feel good starting at age 19, you know, and trying every single thing that was out there. Um, and it was a lot, a lot of really weird stuff <laughs> before the, um, you know, some of the nicer um, approaches have developed because uh, we're talking about back in the 70s and 80s. But, um, you know, it's really wonderful that you found your place and that you it resonated so deeply with you that now you created a way to share it with others you um why did you become a doctor of chiropractic medicine was did that have anything to do with your past well you know it's funny i was always i was always into sports as well and um you know coming out of high school uh, i had a lot of choices i i was a good student i could have really done anything i wanted and in my mind, before I'd even uh, really understood chiropractic, in my mind, they were taking apart bones and putting bones back together. And it was, it was, I had a very strange concept of it. Um, it actually wasn't until I was in chiropractic college that I, actually, I, I learned the philosophy of chiropractic, of how you heal from the inside out. And, and you know, it's about how the brain communicates with the body. And it, it was so much more than back pain and sport you know, injuries. Uh, but really, when I got into it, I had no idea. But it, because of the philosophy of chiropractic, it, um, I, was in, I got into chiropractic college when I was about 20 years old. So I've, I've been in it for about 20, uh, I've been a chiropractor for 26 years. And for the greater majority of my life, I've been in chiropractic uh, to some degree. And so it's really driven me forward and introduced me to a lot of healers and, and, and people with great concepts and ideas um, and so it's pushed me in the right direction, I think. But when I initially got into chiropractic, I really had no idea what it was all about. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of misunderstanding that goes around chiropractic. I'm, you know, very much, um, in, you know, a fan of it. Um, I've used it quite a bit. And it has helped me so much with so many things. So I do believe in it. Um, so what is what is coherence? You talk about creating a dream life from a place of coherence. What is coherence? Well, most people have experienced it, um, whether they know it or not. You know, you hear athletes talk about being in the zone. And when you're in the zone, you know, time slows down, your muscles are responding the way you want, you've got your whole routine or whatever it is you're doing, you know, you can visualize it. And it just seems like your body's working with you, not against you. And that the world is sort of... Um, easy to deal with, you know, you feel like you're in the zone. Uh, you know, sometimes people will go to a party or they go to a gathering and they sense that there's a person across the room that they really want to speak to. Uh, and that's a form of coherence where there's an attraction, there's a resonance. But when I'm talking about uh, physiological coherence, it's a state that HeartMath has done a lot of research on between the heart and the brain. And the best way to explain it is that you can, most people are chest breathers. And when you're a chest breather, you're very shallow breath, uh, you're a very shallow breath taker. And when you breathe in, you stimulate what's called the sympathetic system, which is your, your fight or flight system, but it's also your alert system. 
And when you breathe out, you stimulate the relaxation system, which is your parasympathetic system. And so people who are, are chest breathers, they're very shallow, that can set off a stress response in and of itself. But when you slow down your breath and you start to get it into what, what I would call a nice sine wave where you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth in a very rhythmic pattern, what happens is you start to change the way you, you breathe. And there's a concept called heart rate variability that heart, that heart Math has done a lot of research on. And heart rate variability is simply the difference in how your heart rate uh, changes. So when you breathe in, your heart rate generally goes up. And when you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. So if it goes up to 90 beats a minute and down to 70 beats per minute, 90 minus 70 is 20. And that would be a 20 heart rate variability, HRV. The larger your HRV, the more adaptable you are to life, the more resilient you are. And studies have shown the longer you live, mortality studies have shown that the greater your HRV, the longer you can, you can live. And so what you can start to do is train yourself to increase your HRV by the way you breathe. And as you start to do that and you start to bring in visualization and specific types of emotion, you start to entrain your brain because your heart's rhythm is approximately 40 times stronger electrically than the brain. And so what happens is as you start to get a nice rhythm in your heart, you start to entrain the frequency of your brain. And it affects the higher brain centers that deal with decision-making, pain, sleep, stress, immune function. And so it starts to affect every aspect of your being, from the way your body heals to the way you interact with people around you to the way you go about your daily life. And so this feeling of physiological coherence, you feel resilient, you feel empowered, you feel less pain, you know, you're, you're more energized. And it's not a philosophical concept. You feel it. This is a, a, a state of being. And when you're there, you, you can feel it and you can train yourself to attain this state. And so uh, for me, once I learned how to do it, uh, it was a game changer. Uh, and it doesn't take hours or minutes or days. You can literally attain it in seconds once you've been trained and understand how to do it. Hmm. Okay. So we're talking about functioning at an optimal level and um... – being in tune with our with others and everything around us. Can you explain to uh, my listeners what the HeartMath Institute is? I know what it is, but um, maybe they sure. don't. HeartMath is a company, and, and they really uh, started getting some notoriety uh, back in the early 90s with, with a lot of their research. Um, and they've designed these breathwork techniques based upon their research, um, and then they've designed some biofeedback uh, equipment so that you can actually help to train yourself. So really, HeartMath to me is, is three things. They've done the research on the heart and brain connection, and that's still ongoing even as of today. They're doing lots of really great research. Uh, they've designed these breathwork techniques, which is what I teach, uh, and they help change your physiological state. And then they've designed the biofeedback equipment that you can use to help to train yourself. And so for me, they've really, uh, in three separate ways, they've, they've uh, been able to help me um, teach this and also to embody it myself. And the one great thing that uh, their research has shown is that you can attain a coherent state in your own physiology, but that as you, tr as you start to train your own physiology, you can have effect on the people around you. They've done lots of studies where they've shown people who are trained to get into coherence and then they have people around them that aren't trained to go into coherence, but yet their heart 
also goes into coherence because of our electromagnetic fields that surround our body. And then what the research has shown is that if you have a group of people that affect each other, you can start to affect the planet. And they actually have a, a research study called the Global Coherence Initiative where they're trying to get enough people around the world to meditate with the same positive emotion that you can start to affect the electromagnetic field of the earth with the theory that you can start to change the, you know, ozone and, and some of, you know, earth's problems like global warming. So I think it's really fascinating that, you know, it, it, you can start with coherence at a personal level and then into a community level and then at a global level. Um, and there's lots of research being done on all of it, which is very exciting for the next few years because I think we're going to learn a lot more about all of this. It is really exciting. Um, you say in your book that it took you a long time to figure out that there is no quote unquote there um, and that, you know, we may not always be, we may not get all better and that, you know, sometimes you still struggle. And I think this is really important for everybody to understand that it's not going to be a panacea, you know, it's not going to be this perfect situation, but I'd like you to explain what you mean by that. Well, you know, I, I hesitated for many years to write a book. You know, I wasn't all better. I still got anxiety at times. But most people live by what I would call a destination mindset. And, you know, we've heard it in one form or another, but I call it the I'll be happy when story. You know, I'll be happy when I go to school, when I get my first boyfriend or girlfriend, when I graduate high school, when I go to university. I'll be happy when I get my first job, when I get my first car, when I make enough money when I get married, when I get my first house, you're always saying, I'll be happy when, and, and, and it's this goal of getting to this destination. And once you get to the destination, well, then you're going to be happy. But what you quickly realize is every time you uh, reach one of those goals, there's always something new to attain. And so you're still, you know, um, pre- uh, putting off your, your enjoyment or putting off your, your, uh, your happiness. So, I call it a, a process mindset where, where you create a daily process that involves all the things that keep you inspired and keep you healthy and keep you engaged in life and, and keep you grateful. And, you know, it's, sure, you have to do your chores and you have to sleep and you have to go to work, but all the other things in your life that create your life, the idea is to have a process that you do on a daily basis so that even if you fall off the process, you just have to get back on the process. You don't have to start getting to any type of destination. It's about living your life every day so that you're keeping yourself inspired and you're keeping your emotional state to where you want it and you're very conscious about it. And so in my course, we talk about developing your own process. You do uh, the self-inquiry necessary. You, you dive into every aspect of your life, every sense, all the people in your life, your subconscious beliefs. You start to dive in And you start to figure out what works for you so that by the end of the course, you can actually create uh, your own daily process that you just live by. And as you're doing it, you're figuring out the emotions that you want to live with. You want to figure out the things that you want to do on a daily basis. And then you just practice your daily process. And the great thing about it is as you practice the life that you want to live, you practice the emotions of your dream life, you practice the process of your dream life, it all of a sudden feels more attainable and you get used to it and it becomes more familiar to you. And before you know it, you're starting to actually live and feel the emotions of your dream life. And so uh, it's, you know, we inadvertently practice the emotions of stress. We inadvertently essentially practice 
all of the negative stuff because we're, we're uh, the uncertainty, we're worried about the future, and we're practicing these negative thought processes. Well, you can practice the opposite. You can practice positive emotions. You can practice positive thinking. You can practice positive processes in your life so that that becomes more familiar to you. Yeah, it's so true. You say, um, you know, that taking responsibility is essential because as long as you perceive that your anxiety is the result of someone else, something else, you're never going to be able to heal. Um, You say, you practice anxiety so much that it became extremely easy to trigger a, dr- a stress response. So I like the yeah, fact I, that I never, yeah, felt, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I didn't feel much else other than anxiety. I, I lost the ability to feel anger, to feel sadness, to feel disappointment. It all came out as anxiety. That's all I felt uh, because of exactly like you're saying, just these things kind of spiraled out of control. Mm. Um. I'm just looking at something that you were talking about with music and the Grateful Dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, just looking at this chapter. Can can you just give us a little synopsis of, of what you were talking about in that chapter? Because I'm trying to like read it, but I, I, I want to move forward. Yeah, sure. It, I mean, I was when I was in my teens, we did a lot of traveling uh, around North America, really, to see the Grateful Dead. And it was sort of the last time that you could almost act like a hippie and and go from city to city and be free and travel. And that was great. Uh, And there was a lot of freedom involved in that, a lot of spirituality involved in that. But when we were actually at the concert and, you know, the the interesting thing about the Grateful Dead is they play different, different shows every night. If you went to 20 different shows, you heard 20 different shows of music. You didn't hear the same things. And so it was really just, if we went to see 20 shows in a summer, you'd hear 20 different shows of music. And, it was very powerful. The audience was sort of like the, the additional member of the band because when they started to get going and you're in the audience, there was a resonance that happened and everybody in the audience could feel it. And when the band peaked, so did everybody in the audience. And so <laughs> it was really this gr- group, almost group hypnosis because everybody was feeling this uplifted energy. Uh, and so I just carried that on to the rest of my life, that feeling of being in tune and resonant with, with people around you. <laughs> so you were a deadhead. <laughs> That's great. <clears throat> um, you know, in Chapter 7, it, the first paragraph, it's like I could have written that first sentence or those first couple sentences. I was brought up in a conservative Jewish household. My parents went to synagogue on the holidays and observed some of the basic Jewish traditions. I went to Hebrew school, had a bar mitzvah, did all the, had all the Jewish friends, good student. But you never connected with the religious teachings. And you didn't feel comfortable with the prayers and you didn't believe in the omnipotent God. And, oh, my gosh, I could have written that chapter. (laughs) I mean, that was exactly how it was for me. I just never resonated with it. And um, so it it took me on a search for a spiritual connection. And um, and I found, you know, my way that, you know, that way. But it was never related to the way I was trained. But I know some people do get that kind of um, comfort and um, connection from religion. But I think it's really the way it's presented to you. What do you think? Well, I agree. And, you know, I I talk a lot about it in my course about how the basis of of all religion um, and spirituality in some form or another is that love can heal. 
And I think it's really interesting that it's kind of coming full circle because uh, a minute ago I talked about the Global Coherence Initiative. And so what happened, the reason that that started was because back in 2000, uh, September 11, 2001, when the planes hit the building, HeartMath actually had researchers at different uh, stations, uh, different scientific stations that were monitoring the Earth's electromagnetic field. And for a brief period or brief second, there was a blip in the Earth's electromagnetic field at the same frequency as the human heart. And so what the theory was is that there was enough people staring at their screens, TVs, whatever, with the same emotion of grief that it actually changed the electromagnetic field. And that's where the, the, the study has now, the theories have come from, this Global Currents Initiative, because what they're trying to do is get enough people meditating with the feeling of love that you can start to change the planet. And so I talk about with religion, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if all of the religions were actually right that love heals and that we can heal each other and heal the planet simply with more gratitude, more love, more inspiration. And so when it comes to uh, religion, people are obviously searching for peace. People are searching for love in their life. And if they get it from religion, I've got no problem with that. I think that's wonderful. Uh, the only thing from my observation about religion, especially, you know, today's politics, is religion more divides than brings us together. And there's a lot of people that are hating each other, and there's a lot of people going to war over, over different religions. And I just have to believe that that was never the purpose of any religion, was to create war, to create death, to create, you know, uh, people uh, um, segregating other people because they didn't have the same beliefs as them. So, uh, you know, I think the basis of religion of love is fabulous. Uh, and every, all the other human constructs on top of it um, have been more div- divisive, in my opinion. I think you're right. Well, I know you're right. I know you're right. And, um, you know, if we can, if religion can be less about fear and more about love, it, it would be wonderful. But, yes, we all have to find our way. We all have to find what resonates with us and, um, and a way to guide our life. And, some, you know, sometimes religion it's great because it's a more of a defined way to guide your life. Um, You have sort of a, you you do, you have a guidebook when you're not, Mm -hmm. when you do it a different way, you have to create your own guidebook and it's a little more, um, you know, a little more difficult, but I think the, it it opens us up to so much more, so many more possibilities, but you know, that's just my opinion. Um, Chapter nine is what is health. So, you say that the predominant focus of your adult life has been the pursuit of getting healthy. So at, you talk about what is health. So I'm going to ask you, what is health? Well, I, I give two, two um, definitions. My brother, I give two different stories I like to tell because I think it, it, it really um, uh, lays it out. Most people believe that health is the absence of symptoms. I mean, I'm a chiropractor. People will come into me and they believe they're not well when they're in pain and they believe that they are well when they don't have pain. However, most of the nervous system you don't feel. Only 10% of the nervous system you, you don't feel. Most diseases, the last thing you feel is the symptom. I mean, whether it's cancer or heart disease, you know, those, the symptoms of those come 10, 15, 20 years after the process has started, right? So if you look at uh, heart disease, the number one first symptom of heart disease is death by heart attack. And so it's too late by the time you've already found out that you've had, you know, heart disease. Whereas if I give an example of 
um, you know, someone in your audience today has a chicken sandwich for lunch and then they go home from work and they end up vomiting all afternoon. You know, would they go into work the next day and say they were sick all afternoon or would they go in and say they were healthy all day the other day? <laughs> and the fact is, is that they were healthy because they were throwing up. And the reason they were throwing up is because they had food poisoning. And so the body was actually getting rid of the poison by vomiting. So in one case, you have no symptoms, but you have a heart attack and you die. And in the other, you're vomiting all afternoon, but you're really healthy. Because it's not the symptom that determines you're healthy, it's the function. You know, when every cell, tissue, and organ in your body is replicating and healing the way it's supposed to, you're a healthy person. And the fact is, is if our cells continued to replicate perfectly, we would never age. We'd live forever. But that doesn't happen just due to our environment and, and the stressors that we put on our body over time. Our cells don't replicate perfectly, and that's essentially how we age and how our body breaks down. So the better you can have your cells replicating and functioning and, and, and vibrating at a healthy frequency, the longer you'll live and the more healthy you'll be. So health is really optimal function, not about uh, any of the symptoms that you're experiencing. I think that is such an important point for everybody to hear and to um, take in because it's true. People think that if they're just going along and everything's fine, that they're fine but they might be eating junk food. They may not be taking care of themselves. They may be having, you know, um, long-term emotional or psychological or mental health issues, um, but they're functioning just fine. And they say, well, I'm fine. But I think it's really important that we understand that just because things aren't showing up doesn't mean there's nothing going on. Um, and I think eventually they do show up, Right. Of, of course. And I mean, if you look just at this pandemic, you know, you got to wonder, you know, where people are coming from. I'm not going to, you know, whether pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, it, it doesn't really matter in this case. How much effort has been put into getting people healthy during the pandemic? They haven't done, like people are, you look at the back of the food boxes or the, the pop or the soda and the amounts of sugar that people are eating. It's killing us. And during this whole pandemic, None of the governments have come out and said, look, you got to get vaccinated, but you also have to go out and you have to walk a half hour a day. We're putting everybody, we're talking about healthy eating. We're going to tell you about the foods that you should stay away from. I mean, there has been very little about getting healthy. So the idea is if we really want to get serious about having our bodies deal with this virus in a, in a, in a better way, there would have been a much bigger health kick than just stopping or wearing masks and putting a vaccine in our body how about all the health stuff that we should have been doing and there's been virtually zero mention of any of that but that's why people are getting sick and that's why people can't tolerate the the bacteria and the virus viruses that are happening is because we live such unhealthy uh, lifestyles and a lot of time that starts with our diet you're absolutely right this has been like one of the things that has driven me absolutely crazy about this there are things that we can do to build up our immune system and are things that we do that destroy our immune system. And if we knew that, we wouldn't need to be so fearful. And so, I mean, I do lots of things to build up my immune system to keep it strong. Because I believe, if, if your immune, immune system is strong, you're going to fight off what you need to fight off. Um, but you're right. They, they did not promote that. What they wanted to promote is control and fear and not health. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's really very frustrating. 
very frustrating. Um, let's talk a little bit, bit about um, when you talk about slate K and muscle testing. I've had that done before. It's, it's actually very cool. Um, how does muscle testing fit into um, the coherence revolution? Well, muscle testing is very, very interesting. Um, there's lots of techniques that use muscle testing. Uh, some people call it applied kinesiology. I learned it through a technique called Site K. Uh, but there's, there's all different types of work that uses muscle testing. But, you know, I encourage people to try this and, and, and learn for themselves how they can use it. Because if you stand in front of someone and you put one of your arms up to your side, horizontal to the ground, and there is a, there is a technique to this, but you can sort of play around with it without learning the full technique. If you have someone uh, come up to you and your arm is out to your side and you have that person gently push down just uh, above the wrist area towards the elbow, just a little bit of pressure down after you've said certain things. You know, for instance, if you put your arm out and you say, my name is, and you repeat your name. So for me, it would be, my name is Mark. And then I have someone try to push my arm down. It should be strong. Now, if I say my name is Apple or my name is some other name that is wrong, and then the person says be strong and you try to hold your arm up, you won't be able to hold your arm up very well. Likewise, if you are putting your arm out to the side and you think the word yes, your arm should hold strong. And if you think the word no, your arm should be weak. And if you think about something that you love, it should be strong. And if you think about something that you really dislike or stresses you out, it will most likely be weak. And so what uh, this is through Dr. Bruce Lipton and uh, Rob Williams, they came up with this system called Psych-K. Um, but essentially what happens is when you, when your subconscious and your conscious mind do not agree with each other, when there's a negative in the equation, it interrupts an electrical signal that not only goes to your muscle in your arm, but it would be every muscle in your body. It's just that using your arm is a good lever to use. You could use any lever in your body, but the arm is a good one to use. And so you can start to test what your subconscious beliefs are. You know, I deserve to be happy. I am loved. I am a great person. I deserve to earn as much money as I need. Um, you know, I am healthy. I can gain optimal health. All of these subconscious beliefs, if any of them are weak, well, it means that your subconscious doesn't actually believe those things. And so they've developed a, a process called psychology kinesiology where you can then start to upload new uh, healthy subconscious belief patterns so that your, your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are working together. Because if you're someone that believes you can have a great relationship consciously but subconsciously, you're saying, yeah, I don't deserve to be happy or I can't have a good relationship or you're eating well and you're dieting and you're exercising every day, but you're not losing any weight, your subconscious might have a, a, a belief system that says, I can't lose weight, or I've, I'm, you know, I don't deserve to be happy, or I don't deserve love, or any number of subconscious beliefs that will prevent you from losing weight. And so once you start to get your subconscious on board with your conscious mind, now the exercise and the dieting you find starts to work because your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are working together and not against each other, uh, against itself. So to truly be coherent and to allow your nervous system to work in a coherent fashion, your subconscious has to be coherent with your conscious thoughts. And muscle testing is one way of figuring out what those belief systems are. 
so cool. That's so cool. I used it um, with acupuncture. I used it for allergy testing. That's what I've used it for in the past. And you hold on, you hold a a vial, a glass That's vial right. of some kind of substance, and then you know that that they can tell if you're allergic to it or not, or have a sensitivity to it or not. And I had way more sensitivities than I have allergies because when I went to an allergist, nothing showed up, but it did show right. up in the body that way. So it's I love it. I think it's very interesting. Um, where was I? Okay. Um, you said one of the simplest yet fundamental tools you use throughout your entire day is the heart focus. So why do we want to focus our attention on the heart whenever we have a, a second to think about it? The heart itself, I mean, is the strongest rhythm in the body. And so as you start to get your heart into a, a, a nice smooth rhythm, the way you breathe, focusing on it, you start to entrain, as I was saying before, the brain, your digestive system, you, your body starts to get into the same rhythm as your heart. And when you, when you stop, let's say you're feeling stressed or you're feeling someone just did something to you you didn't like, or now you're nervous about something that's upcoming or you feel uncomfortable. If you just pause and you focus on the area around your heart, it does a couple of things. Simply by focusing on an area. So, you know, if I told you to close your eyes and just focus on your big toe, you can feel your big toe more than any other part of your body. And then if I asked you to move that to your elbow, you could feel that elbow more than anywhere in the body. And so if I asked you to close your eyes and then just focus on the area around your heart, you can sense that area greater than any other area. And as your focus is there, where your focus goes, your energy goes, and your blood flow literally goes. So you're attracting more blood flow to the area around your heart. And by focusing on your heart, you're now more aware of the rhythm of your breath. You're more aware of how you're, how you're feeling. And so the idea is as, as you focus on the heart, it allows you to um, get into a better rhythm and keep your focus on that general area. It just allows allows you to relax a little bit. So for me, to get out of my head, to get out of any of the situations that I'm in that maybe are uncomfortable, I pause, I start to breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth, gently, roughly four or five seconds in and four or five seconds out through the mouth. And you're just focusing your attention on the area around your heart. And as you do that, you start to relax. You start to allow the body to let go of tension. Uh, but I do want to make sure that as you're doing this heart focus, that you're breathing through your stomach. So I usually have people put uh, one hand, usually the left hand, on their heart and their right hand on their stomach. And so as you breathe in through your nose, you want your upper hand to stay completely still. You want to fill up your, your stomach. It's like you're filling it up like a balloon. And so your lower hand can come out and be uh, expanded, but your upper hand that's over your heart should stay still, relatively speaking. And so what you're doing is you're just allowing yourself to train yourself into a stomach breathing. And then you breathe out through pursed lips. And if you really want to relax, you can actually extend your out breath by a couple of seconds. So something like four seconds in and six seconds out, because when you extend the out breath, you're stimulating the parasympathetic system, which is your relaxation system. And so by just doing like a four second in, six seconds out, you're starting to stimulate the system of relaxation. 
And if you're doing this while focusing your, your attention around the area of your heart, you start to get more blood flow in and out of the heart. You start to relax. And so for me, anytime I have a chance, I just literally stop and just focus my area around the heart. So what is the difference between, why is stomach breathing more, you know, better in this um, instance than it would be back breathing or chest breathing? Or what is it about stomach breathing that helps? Well, the fact is, is most people who are, who are chest breathers, they take these nice or very shallow breaths that their HRV is maybe two or three. Whereas when you stomach breathe, what that, what that allows is your diaphragm will go down. And as your diaphragm, the muscles that divide your upper and your lower uh, abdomen, the abdomen from the chest, that muscle, if you fill up your stomach, your lungs expand and your, it expands the chest cavity. Whereas when you breathe up and you breathe into your chest, you're shrinking your lungs and you're, you're actually compressing it and you're, you're not able to get as much oxygen in and that in and of itself can start a stress response. So by being a stomach breather, you're uh, A, taking in more oxygen, but you're also allowing the lungs to expand and you're filling them, you're filling them up as you're uh, allowing the diaphragm to drop down. And so it allows you to take a more full, pure breath. Mm, okay. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that. Um, so with anxiety, we can create a pattern that continues to make it worse, right? And I think you talk about hardwired triggers and, um, yeah. you know, how anxiety produces anxiety produces anxiety. And it's very hard to get out of that. So what is it um, in our subconscious that's preventing us from, from being able to break that cycle? Well, you see, it starts off, our, our brain is always trying to warn us, uh, you know, it's trying to protect us. And so our brain literally is, is scanning our environment and our internal environment and our external environment for problems. And that when you have, when it senses some type of problem, it creates a stress response. But as that happens over and over again, it becomes more of this ingrained pattern, and I call it an addiction. We literally become addicted to the hormones of stress. And so most people will experience this, that you know, they're anxious about something that's happening in their life. And then as soon as they solve that problem, the brain looks for something else to worry about because it literally is craving the chemicals of stress that you, that, that adrenal, the adrenal rush and that, that uplifting, you know, kind of um, uh, the, the energy surge that you get from the adrenaline, your body gets used to that. And so it searches for other things to create that. And so that's why I talk about creating a new set point for, for stress by practicing heart math and by practicing creating positive uplifting emotions like gratitude and joy and love and inspiration and you start to practice these emotions you start to create a new set point for stress and you start to create the chemicals of joy and as you create the chemicals of joy your body gets used to creating those chemicals and you start to break the patterns of being stuck in that negative pattern because now your body is more used to creating these chemicals of joy and so it becomes a, a habit of practicing things like heart math or some of the other things I talk about in the book of, you know, listening to music that uplifts you or looking at pictures that, that change your emotion or um, using your diffuser to put in some type of essential oil that will change your mood. You know, the idea is that as often as you can in every moment, 
to be doing things to change your emotional state so that your body gets more and more used to creating the chemicals of joy rather than the chemicals of stress because it goes from being a subconscious problem to just literally being an addiction, a habit that the body goes through over and over that we have to break. I thought it was really interesting that you talk about um, the things that we touch, the things that we use in our everyday life, the, the ways that we, the surfaces we stand on, um, how they can really affect us. And I just wanted you to touch upon that because uh, you talk about, you know, sitting and your steering wheel and, this, sure. and beverages, containers and things like that. So what should we know about that? I look at things in, in a very simplistic way. Things are either depleting us or renewing us. And if something depletes us, it's using energy, it's taking away from us, and it's making us have to deal with more, there's more stress. If something is renewing us, it's uplifting us, it's adding energy to our system, and it's allowing us to thrive. And so if we look at each of our senses, there are things that are depleting us and renewing us. So if we look at, you know, our sense of, uh, our sense of hearing, you know, you, you walk down Main Street and you might hear uh, honking and, you know, sirens and then there's lights flashing at us. And so the idea is that there's all these stimuli coming in that are depleting for us. You know, if it's uh, you're sitting all day, gravity's pushing down on you and you're feeling the physical stress on your body of sitting all day, it's depleting in nature. You know, you have a, a coffee cup. I, I use this example because it happened to me. You know, I had a coffee cup that... Every time I drank from it, there was a little dribble, and it would go down my chin, and it would annoy me. And I did this for several weeks, and it, it happened, you know, a hundred times a day. Every time I took a sip, it would dribble down, and it was annoying. And I thought, you know, all of these little things, they add up so that you're just annoyed by the end of the day. And so if you add up all the, all the things that you, you know, the way you sit, the way you drink your coffee, the clothes you wear, the people you speak to, you know, the environments that you, you put yourself in – they're either depleting you or renewing you. And so at the end of the day, it's like a balance sheet. You know, how many things have depleted you and how many things have renewed you? And then you're going to determine, are you going to pass out at 8, 8 p.m. because you're exhausted? Or are you going to have the energy to read a book because that inspires you? Well, if you've been depleted all day, you're going to have no energy to do what you wanted to do at night because you're so exhausted. So I look at things as, are they renewing you and giving you energy or are they depleting you? And so you can do an assessment, and we do in the course, we do an assessment of every aspect of your life so that you know the things that are depleting you, and you know the things that are renewing you, and you try to avoid the things that deplete you, and you try to increase the things that are renewing you, and it's part of your toolbox now of things that can help you uh, on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. Okay. I don't think we all, we, most of us think about things like that, so that's a really, really good point. So that's a great segue into your, um, the launch of your six-week programs that you're, you're getting ready to do. So um, why don't you share that with us? Yeah, I'm going to be launching, uh, you know, Chorus Revolution is, is going to be a monthly program. We're launching the first two dates, uh, February 21st and March 12th. Um, one is a Monday evening for six weeks and one is a Saturday afternoon for six weeks. Uh, and then there will be follow-ups uh, in March, April, May. There will be other dates. Um, but it's a six-week course, and each week you're going to learn heart math, different uh, techniques, and you'll be able to practice them. And then we have different breakout rooms where we're going to be, you know, challenging each other to 
think about the words we use and, and the way we respond to people and, and practicing emotions. And so there'll be a lot of fun of, of doing those type of things. And we're going to dive into our senses. So there's going to be painting involved. We're going to be talking about essential oils and, and, and our diets and really diving into each of our senses so that each week we're going to dive into one aspect of our, our life. And then by the end, you're going to create what I would call a daily time schedule where you talk about everything that you want to do in your daily life. And then you're going to take it an extra step further and you're going to start to think about the emotions that you want to feel at different times of the day. And after you've done that, you've identified the emotions you want to feel in your dream life. Well, then you can start to use the tools to practice the emotions of your dream life. And as you start to practice the emotions of your dream life, they'll become more familiar to you. And then your whole dream life, you're going to start realizing that you're starting to live aspects of your dream life because it's getting easier and more familiar and easier to attain. And so uh, it's a really, I think it'll be a fun program for people. It'll be transformational for those who put in the effort. Um, and that starts February 21st, which is actually Monday, and then uh, a Saturday in March, March 12th. And so I wanted to give all of your listeners the opportunity to, A, get the book. Uh, it won't cost you anything if you go to www.coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022. So it's coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022. And if you go there, you can get a free ebook. You can just uh, put in the code and download your free ebook. And there's also a code where you can get uh, 50% off the actual six-week course. And so, you know, I encourage uh, anybody who is interested to get the book and start to dive into the material. And if you want to make some changes in your life and you want to go outside your comfort zone a little bit and have some fun and, and start to change the way, uh, the process that you live by every day, uh, then the course is for you. And I think that you'll really enjoy it and get a lot out of it. And uh, you can do that for a 50% off discount if you, uh, if you go to that uh, page. Awesome. And your website is? CoherenceRevolution.com. Okay, perfect. That's that's so easy. Okay. And we're talking about your book, Coherence Revolution. Um, and so you actually told us a way to get that for free, which is a really great, great thing. Um, I have the paperback right here. If anybody's interested in the um, actual paperback, they can, I would imagine they could get that in um, Amazon and um, pretty much, yep. you know, anywhere Absolutely. books are sold, right? Right. That's right. Okay, so is there anything you want to leave us with as far as um, your program, your philosophy, whatever it is, some way to, uh, to leave us with a great message? Well, I remember, you know, many times either sitting in a therapist's office or doing some type of therapy, and someone would inevitably say to me, this is going to take time. And, you know, eventually you might get there or you might see some, you know, relief. And I remember one, one therapist telling me, you'll be okay, but it's going to take you a few years. And, you know, <laughs> what I figured out is that, yes, it does take time. However, you can change your emotional state in seconds. And when you learn these tools, um, it's not about taking hours and days to get out of a specific emotional state. You can train yourself and you can become much more uplifted uh, in the moment. And so this isn't something that only a few people can do. You can train yourself to do this and it's accessible for everybody. And so I encourage people to uh, look into it and, and see if this is for them because you can transform your life um, in seconds, not, you know, not too much time. I really like that message, um, you know, because, yeah, every, we all want to know that we can be seeing some change 
you know, that while we're applying these, um, these thought processes or just different ways of living, that we're going to be able to see the effects of it, not, you know, two years down the road, three years down the road. I mean, there's no reason to want to do it if you've got to wait that long to see the results. So uh, I think that's a really, really good message. And I believe, you know, in the work that I do, I believe in helping people heal as quickly as possible. I don't want to keep them with me, you know, for years and years and years. Um, I want to get them better and get them going on in their life and, you know, propel them forward, help them propel forward in their life. So that's a, that's really a perfect message. Um, I Wait a minute. There's something else I wanted to ask you. Oh, you're, you're a heart mass practitioner as well. So is that different that's than right. what so- we're talking about? Yeah. Nope. It's just now because I, I wanted to teach, I did their course so that I could learn how to teach it properly to people and help them uh, attain the skills. Okay. All right. Well, great. And you do Honopono, which is for child, um, inner child and all kinds of great stuff. Wow. It's so nice to meet you. Um, thank you for sharing all this with us. It's, uh, I think it's really important. I think, it's, I think people will really grab onto this because it just makes sense. It's easy, (laughs) you know, uh, Mm -hmm. which is important. I think, you know, people who are suffering in some way probably spent years working on themselves. You know, I, by the time people come to me, they've worked so hard on themselves. They're working and working and working. And I say, I don't want you to work anymore. You know, I want to give you an easier way to do this, to just kind of flow with it. And I think that's what you're presenting to us is an easy way where we're not working on, our, on ourselves per se, but we're, we're being gentle with ourselves and gaining tremendous results, right? Absolutely. And, you know, in our course, we call it home play, not homework, because I don't want people doing too much work. I want them to play. There's got to be a, child, a childlike, uh, you know, sense, sense about it. There's got to be a little bit of silly. There's got to be a lot of fun. There's got to be some lightheartedness because w- – we are so serious in most of our life. And, you know, the idea is to be a little playful, be a little childlike. Yeah, so it's good. And you do your courses virtually? Yes, they're, all, they're online. It's the six-week online course. They're live. If you, happen to miss, if you happen to miss one, then the video will be up the next day. Um, so you can always catch up. And, you know, they're available for you to review in the member area for, you know, as long as you want. Um, and you can just keep going through the material over and over and over. Because, you know, there's no rush. The idea is that you, you go through the six weeks, but, you know, you can revisit this and go through the, the self-inquiry as often as you want. You can dive into each of the subjects deeper and deeper whenever you want. Uh, the six weeks just gives you the fundamentals of how to set yourself up, and then it's up to you how often you dive into the material. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I, I so appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You are very welcome. Enjoy your day. Is it cold up there in, in Toronto right now? It is, although it's, uh, apparently it's getting a little warmer, but it's been a cold winter so far. I'm ready for some spring. <laughs> yeah, I'm down in Fort Lauderdale. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry to say that. <laughs> yes, it sounds yeah. wonderful. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. Okay. Well, have a wonderful day. Thank you again. Okay. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity 
always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.